and welcome, 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 welcome back to Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com. This is Steve. I'm your host each week as we get underneath the hood of the political system here in our country. We've got a really busy and packed show today, so we're going to jump right into it. We're going to start off with, uh, of course, the headlines, and everything seems to be revolving around the current uh, world outbreak of the coronavirus. And even here in America, we are uh, starting to feel increased impacts from this. Now, I'm going to say right off the top, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to be giving medical advice here. Uh, but I am going to be giving you some advice on how to minimize the impacts of the coronavirus on our need to be engaged with the elections and the voting process and the political process here in America. Uh, first and foremost, let's uh, talk a little bit about the impacts that the coronavirus is having on our political system. And it has, in fact, impacted uh, particularly the Democratic campaigns, but also uh, it is taking a lot of focus from the government on how to cope with the outbreak and the uh, illnesses that are happening with this pandemic. Um, one of the things that has uh, been put in place as a result of the outbreak of the coronavirus or COVID-19 is that uh, in many, many situations, not just political, but sports and uh, you know, shopping and everything, uh, crowds and being gathered around uh, large groups of people is being, you know, definitely discouraged right now. Um, you know, to give you some examples, uh, the NBA has uh, postponed its season to start uh, later on. The NCAA March Madness, the college basketball uh, playoffs is actually being played. However, they are being played in arenas that do not have any fans present. So it's just the players and the people who need to run the games that are going to be there. Um, many places and, and states, uh, a few states, have actually issued uh, bans and closings for non-essential stores. The only ones being uh, left open include grocery stores, pharmacies and other shopping locations that are considered uh, necessary for day-to-day -day living. So, you know, this virus is definitely having an impact on our country. Uh, as I said, most of, you know, from a political standpoint, the rallies and, you know, meetings and sessions going on as the, the two remaining political candidates, Joe Biden and uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, continue to vie for the Democratic nomination for president um, have been uh, canceled. You know, they have said they are not going to hold uh, large rallies uh, until, you know, it's determined by officials that it is, you know, relatively safe to do so. Uh, so what that means is that, you know, debates going on, including one that occurred uh, just yesterday, as, as I record this show, the debate actually has not yet occurred. However, the plans are is that uh, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders will sit at a table uh, in a room uh, or a studio with the moderators, and there will be no crowds in the room, and they will have the debate there. Now, as an interesting side note, it will be interesting to see how this debate compares with some of the others we've had where the influence of crowds uh, may have played a role in kind of the raucous nature of the debates we've seen so far. Uh, this one should be a much more sedate and focused and conversational uh, discussion of the issues. Uh, the virus is also having impacts on our primary system. Uh, right now, uh, states that have primaries upcoming are looking very carefully at how they are preparing for them and you know what the impact of some of the things that is being recommended uh, be done in in combating the coronavirus, most notably uh, social distancing, that is uh, keeping a, a space between you and other people in, you know, gatherings where crowds are present. You know, a couple of states have already taken action to move their primary. Uh, Louisiana has uh, postponed its primary to June 20th, uh, about two weeks to three weeks out from when it was originally scheduled. Uh, other primary states uh, are encouraging that 
rather than you know show up at a polling place that voters vote by mail or absentee ballot. We're going to talk a little bit about this in the in the second segment today, uh, and also as with the debates, uh, virtual campaigning. Uh, is happening and it's replacing a lot of the in-person visits that you would normally see during the campaign season. So there are already some impacts uh, from the coronavirus on our political process. Uh, and yet, you know, the key is, and as I said, we'll talk about this, you know, in our second segment, is for us as voters not to let this uh, stand in the way, not to let this be another uh, or an additional uh, suppress the vote uh, activity that keeps us from getting to the polls. Uh, the important the election in November is very important and you know we need to make sure that you know virus or no virus that we make sure we are out there that we are voting that we are getting our voice heard. As we always say on this show you know it, it is our responsibility as citizens to make sure that our political leaders understand that we are the ones that send them to Washington or send them to the state uh, legislatures or, or uh, city offices or county offices and that we hold them accountable. And, you know, a virus should not be a real impediment to that. And as we look further into how we, the people, respond to the uh, outbreak of the coronavirus here in the United States, uh, some of the things that we need to keep as takeaways from this uh, are and include, uh, first and foremost, and as I said, I'm not a doctor, but this is just good, solid advice. First and foremost, don't panic. Uh, yes, this virus is contagious. Yes, it is spreading. But, you know, the what we're seeing happening out there are signs of people panicking, you know, they're, they're going out to stores, they're buying everything that isn't nailed down off the shelves. And, you know, the, the officials are telling us, you know, be practical, be proactive, but don't panic. You know, there's no need to stock up on a month's worth of groceries, for example. There's no need to go out and make runs on, you know, things that you think might be necessary. However, you should prepare. You should make sure that you have the, the staples necessary to sustain your household you know, for a period of you know, two weeks or three weeks uh, if you are required to quarantine in place uh, as a result of the virus. You know, but that doesn't mean you have to go out and buy six bulk packs of toilet paper. It doesn't mean you have to go out and buy six cases of you know, bottled water. Uh, you know, it, it's important that we prepare but that we prepare in, in a, uh, how do I want to say this, that we prepare in a thought through, in a considered process, that you know, we really keep our wits about us as we move forward and as we prepare for what might happen in your individual households. Uh, the second thing to, to advise is we, we you know, prepare and, and you know, get ourselves ready to address this in our own lives is focus on the facts. Right now, you know, all, all of media is talking about the coronavirus and the impacts both worldwide and here in the United States. There are wild numbers being thrown about. There are all kinds of information and unfortunately misinformation that is being put out there about how this virus is impacting and will continue to impact our country over the coming weeks. Uh, it, it would be most advisable, and especially for those of you, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of talking to the younger voters here, uh, you know, shut your news feeds down for a period of time. Focus on getting your information sources about the coronavirus from reputable uh, agencies. Uh, two that come to mind would be the Centers for Disease Control, uh, which can be found at www.cdc.org. Uh, that's the national website, and they have a whole range of information about the coronavirus, including symptoms and precautions and you know treatment you can do yourself and you know information about uh, self-quarantining 
and all of that. Uh, that is a highly reputable source and should be one of the sources of facts that you gather information from. Another one in a similar vein is the National Institutes of Health and they're located at www.nih.org and like the CDC they are a repository of factual science-based information about the coronavirus, what to expect, things to look out for, and really just a solid grounded source of information. Now if you are following those two websites and you know using that as a filter as you listen to your regular news feed sources whether it's you know mainstream media, cable news, uh, the internet, you know Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, uh, it allows you to, to take and judge the information you receive with that all-important grain of salt. And we need to make sure that you know, we are, in fact, dealing and thinking through what the information is that we get. Uh, right now, you know, in this day and age where we have a 24-hour news cycle, where news and breaking news is, is a minute-by-minute minute thing, as you know, news agencies move forward you know, a half inch at a time to try and gather one new nugget to put out there as breaking news. Let's be rational. Let's not panic. Let's take this you know, methodically and intelligently. And the last thing uh, on the, the takeaways that we have is, and this is one of the questions that comes up in question and answer sessions that I've heard over the last uh, week, uh, continuously is if I think I'm infected should I go to the ER right away um, most of the medical professionals out there are recommending that you do not rush to the ER that you contact your doctor or contact the hospital uh, or contact your state agencies many of the states now if not all of them have set up state contact protocols for residents to call in, get information, and ask questions. There are also some online um, medical uh, uh, systems that you can access, and you should take advantage of those where you'll get questioned about what your symptoms are, you know, and you know, what your activities have been, did you just come back from international travel, you know, all of these things are part of a considered logical you know, non-panic, proactive approach to dealing with a widespread illness such as the coronavirus. So, you know, let's all really just, you know, take a step back, take a deep breath, think about what we're doing, think about, you know, how we can be, you know, proactive and calm and make sure that we are, are taking all the necessary steps, but that we are not responding out of a sense of fear or panic. Uh, those are the, the things that just make a, a bad situation into a worse situation. So, you know, as I said, you know, that's some, some solid non-medical advice. I do advise that if you have questions, uh, reach out and contact your medical professional, contact your local hospital, find out, you know, what resources they have to assist you uh, in, in a remote sense, but if you do have the symptoms, if you are showing uh, the symptoms, and again, a list of the symptoms are at the CDC and NIH websites, uh, if you are exhibiting those symptoms, you know, call the hospital or call your doctor first, let them know what's going on, and then look at going into the hospital or into the emergency room to get checked out. Uh, one of the things to keep in mind is that with the number of cases that are expected to happen in this country, our, we do not have enough hospital beds or ventilators, you know, or respiratory therapy technicians, frankly, uh, in place to handle an, a run on the hospital, you know, or hospitals in the country, you know, of millions of people. It will just overtax the hospitals and make this problem an order of magnitude worse. So let's be smart. Let's do what we need to do. 
but let's do it cautiously, let's do it methodically, let's plan and let's definitely not panic. So that's the uh, update and headlines on the coronavirus. Uh, I want to shift gears now and I uh, want to talk for uh, the balance of the show about voting. You know, we've talked about the importance of voting and, you know, the importance of making sure that we are prepared to vote, that we're registered, that we have all of our uh, correct identification and documentation, that we know where our polling place is, that we have done our diligence and gotten ourselves educated on what the candidates are all about, and not just now just the top two candidates in the Democratic uh, primary, but also the down-ballot candidate, candidates, uh, you know, those of you with states that are electing governors, what are their positions? Those of you that are electing, you know, federal senators and, and congressmen, you know, what positions do they have? What have they been doing? How have they been following what you sent them to office to do? Get yourself informed and educated as you get ready to get out and, and vote. And remember that, you know, the local aspect of the election process is of as equal importance to the national, uh, if not more, because the local is where the rubber meets the road in terms of things that government controls every day or government is responsible for every day that impact your life. And uh, we're going to talk about that in a special way in a, in a minute or two, but I just want to give a heads up. For those of you uh, that are in Arizona, Florida, Illinois, uh, or Ohio, uh, this coming Tuesday, you have a, your primaries that are happening. So please make sure that you get out to vote. Make sure you select the candidates that best reflect the way you believe our country should operate, whether you're Democrat or Republican. And let's make sure that you know we get as many people out to vote as possible because it's the numbers that let politicians know that we're watching. So we're going to jump into our break a little bit early this week in our show because I have a special feature that I want to add. Uh, instead of my normal approach of you know breaking between segments with music, uh, in doing some research, as, as I said, the su under the subject of voting, uh, I came across a speech that was given by former First Lady Michelle Obama uh, on voting, which is you know extremely relevant, even though the speech was delivered in 2018, the, the themes and topics are still very much resonating in the elections here in 2020. So we're gonna uh, jump to our break. Uh, we'll let Michelle Obama you know, speech be played, and then we'll come back on the other side and talk a little bit more about it. You're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMSRadio.com. My name is Steve. We'll uh, jump into the speech and we'll talk more on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. There are still millions of people who think that voting isn't relevant to their lives. Or they think that voting won't make a difference. Or they think the system is rigged, so why bother? Or maybe they feel overwhelmed, you know, like the issues are too complicated and that politics is just too ugly. So they just don't want to get involved. Some folks are real busy, you know, they're like, hey, I got so much going on. I'm just trying to get my kids to daycare, trying to get to work, maybe get some sleep. They just feel like they don't have time for anything else in their lives. And, and trust me, I, I get it. I get being busy. And I definitely get feeling frustrated. Because believe me, I am frustrated too. I am sick of all the chaos and, and the nastiness of our politics. It's exhausting, and frankly, it's depressing. So I understand wanting to shut it all out and just go on and just try to live your life, take care of your family in peace. But here's the problem. While some folks are frustrated and tuned out and staying home on election day, 
Trust me, other folks are showing up. Democracy continues with or without you. They're voting in every election from city council to governor to president because the folks who are voting know the impact that the leaders that they pick can have on every single part of our lives. You know, those sheriffs that we elect, they decide how our streets are policed. The school board members we vote on, they determine how our kids' schools are run. The mayors we, we send to City Hall, they can fix those crumbling roads in the public transportation system or not. <laughs> the folks who represent us in Congress pass laws on everything from job creation to whether we go to war. And those are just the candidates on the ballot. This November, across America, there are also what are known as ballot initiatives on everything from supporting housing for veterans, whether we prom promote renewable energy, to improving facilities for our senior citizens. Those things are on the ballot. And the people who show up to the polls this November will decide what happens on every single one of those issues. So really, when you think about it, not voting is like letting your grandma pick your clothes out. <laughs> now, no offense to grandma. My mom is with me today. And we, and we love grandma. <laughs> I, I love when grandma comes to visit. I love spending time with it. I love eating her pie, eating her chicken. <laughs> but how many people here, especially those of you under 30, would let your grandma decide what you wear to the club? <laughs> how many of you would drive the car that grandma chose for you to drive? or live in an apartment with furniture that grandma picked out for you. All jokes aside, you know. <laughs> My point being, and I'm being funny, is that not many of you would want somebody who's not you, doesn't live in the same space as you, doesn't see the world in the same way as you, even when they love you and you love them, you wouldn't let them do that for you. Because you know that grandma's choices for you are not the choices you'd make for yourself. What grandma thinks is good for you isn't necessarily what you think is good for you. With all the love in the world, and you certainly wouldn't go to some random stranger in the street somewhere, somebody who doesn't know anything about your life, someone who doesn't care about your community, doesn't understand it, doesn't know it, and ask that person to pick your doctor or whether, have that person figure out whether your daycare is safe or whether the water you're drinking is clean. You wouldn't expect somebody else to take care of your stuff. But when you don't vote, and that's the thing I, I don't understand, when you don't vote, that's exactly what you're doing. You're letting other people make some really key decisions about the life you're going to live, the place you're going to live, how it's going to work out for you. You're just saying, you do it. <laughs> and you may not like what they decide. You might not like living with the consequences of other people's choices. But that's what happens when you stay home. You are essentially putting your future in the hands of others. And the truth is, that's exactly what some folks are hoping that you'll do. You know, they're hoping that you'll just let them make these important decisions for you. Just sit back, let me figure this out for you. There are people out there right now who are making it harder to vote. But we have to kind of sit with that for a moment because you've got to ask yourselves in this democracy, why on earth would anybody, regardless of party, want to make it harder for people to participate in the democracy? But that's happening right now all over the place. They're closing down polling places. They're making it harder for volunteers to get people registered. They're finding all kinds of ways to keep you at home, hoping that when you hear about all those things, you'll just give up and just think that voting is just too hard that it'll take hours of your time, that it requires some special skills and expertise that you, you don't have. 
That's what they want. And you can see how those kind of tactics can start making make people start feeling like this is just too hard for me. We all know someone who feels like that. Again, regardless of party. We all know someone who thinks that way. An uncle, a neighbor, someone you grew up with. And that's why we're here today. Because we, we know that it's going to be up to folks like us who will come out on a Sunday for a rally like this to help, to help those folks out, to help tell the truth about voting. And the truth is, is that registering to vote just isn't hard. It doesn't take long. It's, it's just a few minutes. And once you're registered in many states, including here in Nevada, you can vote by mail. <laughs> I, I do that all the time. I vote by mail in my house, in my, in, my, in my jeans, in my sneakers, comfortable, not rushed, not hunkered over. Fill out the table, the, the ballot at your kitchen table, and just drop it in the mail. And it works. It's just that easy. And voting in person can be just as fast. In fact, in 2016, the average length of time voters waited in line at a polling place was about 11 minutes. Just 11 minutes, and that's an average, right? Some, some places it was even shorter than that. Just think about, you spend 11 minutes on your phone, you know, watching videos on a given day. You spend 11 minutes choosing the Instagram filters to text your boo, right? <laughs> so the thing we just have to tell ourselves, we have 11 minutes to do a lot of stuff. And if we have 11 minutes to do stuff that does nothing for our daily lives, then we've got 11 minutes to vote. And trust me, and, and here's something I just want to make sure people understand. Voting does not require any kind of special expertise. You know, you don't need to be, have some fancy degree to be qualified to vote. You don't have to read every news article to be qualified to vote. You know what you need to be qualified to vote? You need to be a citizen, you know? You need to be a part of this country. You need to have opinions about the issues in your community. That's what qualifies you to vote. Caring about your kid's future qualifies you to be a voter. Wanting a say in what happens in this country qualifies you to be a voter. So don't be intimidated. Don't let somebody intimidate you from being a part of this process. I've been voting since I was 18 years old. And trust me, I didn't know nothing about nothing at 18 years old, right? But what you do know is what you care about. For all the young people, you do know you have a voice. You do have opinions about what goes on. That qualifies you to vote. And it is not that hard. Plenty of folks of all ages are registering to vote for the very first time. And that should be a source of pride. You know? That should be as important as getting your driver's license, right? So those young people know that they want to have a say about what goes on in their neighborhoods. And they know it's time for a change. That's how folks all over this country are making change in their communities. Just give you an example. There's a little county in Missouri, Boone County. There, there were families struggling to get their children the mental health care they needed. Hundreds of families had been requesting counseling service for their kids, but the resources weren't there. So the folks in Boone County came together. They came up with a plan to fund children's mental health care. They gathered up signatures they needed to get their issue on the ballot, and then they got out and voted. And today, just a few years later, in Boone County, they're providing counseling for kids who need it. They're doing mental health screenings for every child in that county. And they're training teachers and child care advocates to better support kids with mental health challenges. And this all happened because folks in that one county, in one part of this nation, believed that their kids deserved better. And they knew that their vote was the way to make it happen. So don't let anybody tell you that 
that vote doesn't matter. Those folks in Boone County should, could have just sat back and said, oh my God, this is awful. Our kids aren't being treated well. What a shame. Everything feels so hopeless. So I'm just going to stay home. They could have done that. But they realized that it's actually the other way around, how our democracy works. They realize that the only way to make change in this country is to get out and vote oh for the goodness, change I you're looking I could have for. Said that, and when they that showed well, up to vote, uh, just heard things happen. And the Obama same thing can happen on every issue uh, everywhere in this country. You know, That's just, how change happens in America. Message. Um, you know, she talked about, you know, the importance of voting and, you know, the attitudes that people have where they consider it too hard or too much of a challenge or they're not qualified for it. Uh, and the part I like the best is where she talks about how, you know, choosing not to vote is like having grandma pick your clothes to go to the club. Um, you know, it, it just was a, a great speech. It hit all the points. I wish I had said that and, you know, um, just just amazing so i hope that you know that speech you know gives you the encouragement you need to make that extra effort to get through whatever the challenges are that are out there including you know the coronavirus that we're all facing right now to make sure that no matter what that we are getting out to vote i mean we talk about this on this show you know pretty much every week uh, but when I came across that clip from, you know, former First Lady Michelle Obama, I had to include it in my show because I think it just carries the message better than anything that I can say. Uh, so, you know, hopefully, you know, if, if you like that speech, you can go to, you know, SoundCloud.com and download the episode once it's posted and, and replay that. Play it for your kids. Let them hear it, you know, so that they get a sense of just how important it is for us to be engaged, to be out there, to be involved with what's going on, you know, in the electoral process, you know, in our local areas. You know, as she said, that was and, and is as important as the national level elections. And it, to give, give you a sense of some of the things that come out of local elections, uh, I was listening to National Public Radio and um, one of the things I was listening to a show about uh, new housing developments and they happen to mention in the course of the, the show that, you know, 30% of the cost of a newly built home in, in markets in this country are tied to federal, state and local regulations. Uh, such as, you know, uh, building materials. There may be regulations that specify what types of building materials. I know in certain areas of the country, such as uh, flood-prone areas or hurricane-prone areas or areas that see a lot of, you know, wildfires, there are codes in place on, under the housing code that mandate certain ways that houses must be built or certain materials that they need to be built from. These are all coming out of uh, entities that are put in place through an election process. Um, you know, another one that they talked about is housing density. How many people can live, you know, in a given area is determined by a, an elected board. And, you know, our vote goes into choosing just how crowded our neighborhoods are going to become. You know, and it's, it's even little things such as landscaping, you know, how much area should or should not be devoted to parks and green spaces in our communities. And of course, you know, uh, public utilities, electric, gas, water, sewer, and all of that are handled by, you know, uh, either appointed or elected boards. But again, those boards are controlled by the elected government in our local communities. So when we get out and vote, when we go to the poll, we need to make sure that we are aware of what things are happening in our neighborhoods. Is there a new development? Uh, where I live here in Pennsylvania, there have been several new uh, high-rise buildings that have been built downtown that have displaced low-income housing. And you know, one of the, the problems with that is you know, there has been no discussion uh, of record 
on what is going to be done to replace the housing that was lost for these brand new office towers going up here in town. These are things that being engaged with your city government or your county government, these are things that, you know, have to be addressed and it is in our best interest to make sure that they are being addressed that we are in front of these boards and asking questions and demanding you know that things be done and that we do it in sufficient numbers so that they get the message you know as i say time and time again we send them to office they work for us it's not the other way around you know and we have to exercise our authority for their accountability so, you know, it, it, it is very, very important to have that, that local vote happen. The other thing that, that, you know, Michelle Obama mentioned in her speech is she talked about something called the ballot initiatives. And these also are part of our election process. She cited the example out of uh, Boone County where they needed and they wanted a program for uh, early intervention for mental health for their school-aged children. And many of these types of initiatives are listed on the ballot and are decided by your vote. So, you know, getting out and researching what's on the ballot, what the programs are, what the advantages or disadvantages, the pros and cons are, and whether or not you support or do not support these initiatives is critically important and it's part of what we have to do as active citizens in this country. You know, it, it's, it's just there's too much at stake to let anything or anyone or any system keep us from getting to the polls to exercise that right. You know, if we're not doing it, if you are not doing it, if you're staying at home because you don't like, you know, you know the, the candidates at the top of the ticket, regardless of party, if, if you don't like who's there, uh, you know, and you decide, you know, well, bump this. I'm just going to stay home and, you know, drink a beer. Um, like, like Michelle said, you're letting grandma make your choices or you're letting a stranger on the street that doesn't know you, doesn't know your needs, doesn't know what your community really needs day to day. You're letting them decide who is going to make those choices. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I try not to let anyone else control my life. And that includes, you know, who I vote for, what initiatives I support, etc. And that's the way we need to be. We need to make sure that we are engaged. You know, as I say, you know, broken record time, people, as I say time and time again, get engaged, get educated, find out what's going on get your information, multiple sources, dig deeper, dig wider, get what you need in order to make an educated and informed decision when you go into that ballot booth. You know, it's that important. And if you don't like who is at the top of the ticket, if you don't want to vote for any of the candidates for president, uh, there is a neat little option called no vote. You can leave it blank or you can write in a candidate. You know, you can you know, decide that you want to put someone in, maybe your original candidate, you know, if you're a Buttigieg fan or if you're a Klobuchar fan or a Warren fan or a Booker fan or a Harris fan or, or a Bloomberg fan or whoever, you can write their name in, you know, and cast your vote for them. Uh, and that way your voice is still being heard. But make sure that you go down that ballot, that you check out who is running for, you know, the, the Senate in Washington, who is running to be your congressperson in Washington, who's running to be your governor if they're up for election, or your state rep, or your state senator, who's running to be your mayor, who's going to be on your city council, what do they stand for, what issues are they uh, promoting, what's their big thing. You know, these are all part of what we have to do when we go into that ballot booth and elect people. We just don't go and, you know, select willy-nilly or random down the line. We need to be concerned. We need to be studied. We need to be uh, engaged and educated. You know, as I said at the top of the show, when we were talking about coronavirus, we need to have a plan. 
You know, we talked on prior shows, we talked about being strategic. This is part of that strategy. This is part of being strategic and exercising our vote in the most beneficial way for each of us as individuals uh, and for our community as a whole. That's how you know, the process works when it works best. And you know, we need to take that strategy with us as we go into the polls each uh, election and make those choices. So we're in the middle of the Democratic primary season. You know, we've already had a handful of primaries. We already have some delegates being allocated to specific candidates, but we still have a long way to go. For those of you out there in the country, don't think that your individual primary doesn't matter. Don't think that your vote doesn't matter. Just remember, in recent history, presidential elections and other elections have been decided by fewer votes nationally than watch a single NFL football game live and in person at a stadium. Uh, you know, so let's make sure that we get out and vote, that we move that needle in whichever direction for whichever party you vote for. Make sure that you are getting out there and making your voice heard. All right, so a, a lot of information, again, uh, that speech by Michelle Obama really, really hit the points uh, I wish I could say it as good as she says it, uh, but the next best thing is to be able to play that clip for you. So we'll, we'll stop right here and take our second break. When we come back, we'll do our call to action segment and move toward wrapping up the show. You're listening to Fire It Up. This is Steve. I'm your host each week right here on WJMSRadio.com. Thanks for tuning in. Stay with us. We'll be right back after the break. Living in a glass bubble, the fast hustle, the mass struggle that I'm in, the same one that you in. I knew inside when I was outside on the south side, had to take it a step further, the way that Ralph tried. Oh, that's my stepfather, he stressed harder to make that bed and lock them doors. For the perfect picture, I forgot to pose, used to rock jabos and go out with bros trying to get lots of hoes. Till I got exposed to a bigger picture called Free In the picture it was me, El Hodge, Malik, Shabazz, Muhammad, and Noble, Drew Ali Asada, Erica Badu, and Andre Three Thousands of moms telling me what I can't be But you can't paint me Black is the color of my true love spirit And I do love lyrics And I used to love Harold's Chicken And I dance pretty good And I feel at home in the hood And I get lit in the club Still I love is coming from division nine the toughest in cook county they count me out because i did a crime they say it's violent to time and human beings but being ain't seeing me as human in this big business called prison i'm the one that's consuming illuminati illuminating human hating mutilating me from my family society and loved ones i wasn't raised to love guns or maybe toy ones my pops y'all built and destroyed them with prescriptions of poverty dope and unemployment when will we see enjoyment? I smile when my little boy gets a visit For about 30 minutes But we ain't ever spent Christmas together Trying to get it together What I'ma do when I get out I don't know what it is to live out This reminiscent of the big house I'm the one Justice shooter spit out My life story is written in a prison sentence Wonder if this cell got room for forgiveness Still I love If you look in my eyes You'll see love deep inside sky, I see freedom. If you look in my eyes, you'll see love deep inside. When I look in the sky, I see freedom. If you look in my eyes, you'll see love deep inside. When I look in the sky, I see freedom. 
So this episode, we've been talking about uh, voting and, you know, we got a message from Michelle Obama. Again, voting is critically important from the national level all the way down to your local level. We talked about some of the impacts of local level voting, ballot initiatives, you know, mayor, city council, state council, county government, all of that. Let's make sure that we get educated, that we get informed, and that mostly we get out to vote. Don't let anything or anyone stop you, to and including the coronavirus, which we also talked about. And the first thing and the most important thing as we're dealing with this, uh, this illness moving across the country, let's not panic. Let's be strategic. Let's be considered. Let's be proactive. Let's be informed, engaged. Go to the resources where you can find out the official facts, not what's coming out of the talking heads in the media circles, but what is the real deal. There are conflicting messages out there, but if you go to you know, the websites I've mentioned, the Centers for Disease Control, their website is www.cdc.gov. The National Institutes of Health, their website is www.nih.gov. Those two sites alone will give you just a ton of information about coronavirus, about the symptoms, about the resources available, both at the federal, state, and local level. And also, don't forget to check out your local city and your state websites. Make sure that you're finding out what local resources are available to you. Uh, you know, what is out there? Uh, what are they recommending? What elements of your community are being affected by this disease. You know, there's been talk about, you know, recommendations on, you know, closing or suspending church services. Uh, you know, malls have been closed in some states. You know, it's all about being smart, about exercising the precautions that are reasonable and studied and strategic to take to protect yourself and your family. So make sure you're getting out there and getting that information and, you know, being smart. Don't go out and hoard a whole lot of stuff. You know, buy what you need, but buy it in reasonable quantities. And, you know, we will get through this. We've gone through pandemics before, uh, throughout history, and we will survive this as well. We also wanted, and we talked about, you know, the local elections, as I've said, and make sure that you're finding out what are the initiatives that are going to be on the ballot uh, in elections in your area? 
And as always that I say, don't forget, it's not just the national election in November that we need to focus to. Your state, your community, your county may be having local elections to address certain issues. There may be ballot initiatives that they are voting on. So get the information you need. Go to the websites. Go to you know the, the reference areas and find out what's going on in your community and make sure that you are out there being informed, being engaged. And finally, you know, reach out and check on people in your community who may be, you know, in in trouble or may need, you know, assistance. Check on elders that live in your neighborhood. Is there anything that they need? Can you be of assistance to them? You know, check on family members. Make sure they're all right. Let's make sure that we're being smart, that we're being proactive, and that we are taking logical and reasonable steps to protect ourselves. Finally, if you want to get in touch with the show, as always, uh, you can reach out by email. The email address is firedupradio at yahoo.com. Look for some information coming out on uh, the Facebook page for the show, which is facebook.com forward slash firedupradio. And always, we'll be tweeting out information as well from our Twitter account, which is at rufiredup. That's at A R E. U-F-I-R-E-D-U-P. Thanks for being with us this week. Uh, A lot of information on the show. Really glad that I'm able to bring it to you. Thanks to WJMSRadio.com for hosting us. We look forward to speaking to you again next week. So in the meantime, stay safe, stay smart, get educated, and we'll see you in seven days. Take care, everyone. Started yesterday, and we're already late.